As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Graham Gano, the veteran, 36 years old. Great breakthrough by Thomas, who blocked it! And Ikbenogany has it for Dallas. Noah Ikbenogany stays inbounds, and the Cowboys special teams... How about them Cowboys indeed? What a week one it was. Cowboys fans felt great. And what a better way to recap it all than with your friends at The Athletic. We've got John Mashota and Saad Yusuf, your Cowboys beat writers, on hand for this episode of About Them Cowboys. And to host and lead us through this one, it's KT. Fun week one, Turner. Welcome in, KT. Thank you very much, Kent. As we were talking off the air, glad we sure waited till you know, more towards the middle of the week to record this podcast, given the happenings of Monday night. And we will talk about that as we get you ready for the Jets here in a little bit. But first, let's kind of go back to Sunday night at MetLife. Uh, fast news cycle these days, especially up in uh, New York. But... Uh, man, 40 to nothing. I don't even know. The Cowboys could have maybe had negative yards on offense and won that game, huh? I mean, this is unbelievable. 40 to nothing. I don't even, I don't even have words. Like, that just exceeded all expectations anyone could have ever had. Plus the fact I can't believe that the Giants looked that bad. And I don't even know how much of that is the Cowboys doing and how much of that is the Giants doing. John, we'll start with you. Just kind of. What's going through your mind Sunday night after that? I mean, you can throw the weather in there with what you also said. I just I don't think the Giants are that bad. I think the Cowboys played what might be maybe a perfect game defensively and maybe on, on special teams outside of the missed extra point. But obviously it wasn't a perfect game for the offense. But my biggest takeaway from all of that is just I don't care whoever you think is the worst team in the league. And we can even wait till the end of the season to whoever you think that is and whoever you think is the best team. Nobody should beat anybody by 40 in the NFL. Nobody should (laughs) shut out anybody 40 to nothing in the NFL. Like this isn't college football where you've opened the year and, you know, you have some big top 10 program playing, uh, you know, a mid-major that might win two games. Like this is the National Football League, the, the league that tries probably harder than any other league to have parity and... 
I just, that should never happen. That's so embarrassing to open your season like that. You had certainly no shortage of motivation, knowing that the Cowboys have owned the Giants for several years now. Dak Prescott had won his last 10 starts coming into that game. I I, I thought that the Giants probably winning that playoff game last year maybe rated them a little bit higher than they should be. And I picked, you know, the Cowboys to win. I thought they'd win by about 10 but I never thought that they would dominate in that fashion on the road at night for a team like the Giants, who in some ways you can kind of compare to the Lions season last year with how they ended it. and Everything seemed like it was going in a good direction. Uh, that's just that that's that's an embarrassing loss to start your season. Yeah, I think I, I think also the other part of this was that when the game started, it felt like the Cowboys were in trouble because. The Giants, I, I think the in their first eight plays, other than an incomplete pass, they were getting about five yards a pop, a minimum five yards on running the ball just down the Cowboys' throat. And it was just, you know, earlier in the week, Mike McCarthy had mentioned during the week that, hey, every team is going to do this. They're going to run the ball against us until we show them that, you know, we can stop it. And clearly the Cowboys couldn't stop it. And then, I don't know, I, I think it was just that false start that happened down there inside the 10 or something. And it pushed them back, and it went third and seven. The snap went behind Daniel Jones. And after that, it was just an absolute downpour in, in more ways than one, to be honest. It was pouring and at MetLife anyways. But um, but things just, things just took a turn for the worse for the Giants after that point. So it was just interesting because it wasn't like this was billed. I picked the Giants to win – or I picked the Cowboys to win by four because I thought it would be a sloppy game. But – it was actually the complete opposite for the Cowboys. They were not sloppy at all in all in in at least two of the phases. They were pretty much as midseason form as you can get. Yeah, you know, you're right. Like they're third and two, and maybe there's not a false start. And I mean, we talked so much about momentum or how little or much that means. What if it's third and two and the, there is no false start penalty, and then the center doesn't snap it, you know, at the ankles of Daniel Jones, then there is no blocked field goal. I mean, it still feels like the Cowboys are going to dominate that game just based on everything that happened, how hard they were hitting, how fast they were flying to the ball. But you also go, man, if it's third and two and they, you know, flick it out to Saquon or get that first down and end up scoring on that first drive, maybe that does change. Maybe you're asking something out of your offense. But that perfect turn of events just, there was no recovering from that. And props to whoever had Noah Igbenogany um, with your uh, prop for first uh, Cowboys touchdown of the season. That would have paid out handsomely, I would imagine. Or uh, Noah having any touchdown at all this year, of course. <laughs> and then it's wild because, like, uh, I'm, I'm moving on a little bit, but started to go after the game. I don't know what I saw out of the offense. How could you know what you saw out of the offense? Tony Pollard looked great, um, but like it didn't nothing matter. urgent ever needed to happen on offense. And I, yeah. I don't remember a time in my life where nothing urgent has ever mattered on offense except for Sunday night. Yeah, and, and there's several players in that Cowboys defense that aren't the normal names that we talk about that stepped up. I mean. Yeah. Marquise Bell, like I thought he played okay in the game. You watching the game over, I was like, man, he was he was a lot better than I thought he was. Dante Fowler, same there. 
Uh, Wanye Thomas stepped up, you know, so it wasn't like it was just Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons and Stephon Gilmore who all did their part. But I mean, you know, Dorrance Armstrong, Osa, Jonathan Hankins look great. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of different pieces there. Um, man, if I mean, if they can keep playing like that, I mean, because here's my thing when I'm watching that game as it's, you know, wrapping up in the fourth quarter, you know, it's just this blowout. I, I always start thinking in my head of, okay, so Cowboys games you've covered, where does this one rank and, and you know, different things and that. And so to me, I still lean on the most impressive game I've, I've seen the Cowboys play in the last decade is last year at Minnesota when they won 40 to three. Um, I was very impressed uh, also with obviously the Tampa Bay beating Tampa Bay in the playoffs, the way that they dominated the Bucs and uh, Brady and company. And then this one is in that category too. I mean, this one, depending on how the giant season goes, maybe this one ends up being the top one. I just don't put it above the Vikings one yet. Cause that Vikings team was eight and one going to that game, coming off a win at, at Buffalo and 40 to three, this is 40 to nothing. I mean, this, this one easily could have been in 43 to, I don't know how Graham Gano misses that one field goal after the block one. Um, so I thought the score was comparable. The other part is that in that game against Minnesota, I thought you saw more from the, the offense. It wasn't, this game wasn't as complete because the offense really didn't have to do that much. So you didn't see, I mean, heck, there wasn't even a passing touchdown. Imagine thinking that going in the game. If I told you, I'm like, oh, the Cowboys are going to win 40 to nothing. There's no way that you don't have at least one passing touchdown in your prediction. So uh, impressive, man. I mean, when I talk about that game, the Minnesota game, the Tampa Bay game, I mean, those are all, you know, within the last, whatever, 10, 15 games. And those are some of the most impressive Cowboys performances I've seen. Yeah, also real quick to to mention one one aspect of the game that really impressed me the most, especially rewatching it again and kind of, you know, seeing all the players that did stand out. A lot of the guys John mentioned for sure stood out, but I think one one thing in particular that that really I mean, you noticed it during the game too, but really stood out in retrospect was just Trayvon Diggs's mentality. And I think it was it, it was different than to me that was almost as surprising as like, you know, Dorrance Armstrong getting a couple of sacks or whatever because Trayvon Diggs has been dogged on, especially during that San Francisco game for letting up against Kittle and you know all that kind of stuff for his lack of physicality. And then for him to go in and pr- pretty much have the dagger play um, when he popped Saquon and Deron Bland took it in for a touchdown and then later on stripping the ball, to me – I, I know Trayvon Diggs is a superstar on this team and, and is expected to do good things, but we usually think of that being, you know, hunting the ball in the air and not really hunting players on the on the field. And I think that his physicality was something Dan Quinn shouted out, Mike McCarthy did as well, said that they were really proud of him for that. And I thought that was – I don't know if he's going to maintain this, if it was more of just, hey, fresh body week one type thing, but that was really impressive to me. Yeah, no, and it's just kind of poetic. I was thinking those the guys too. There, you know, Marquis Bell can't get any chance here. Uh, Wanye Thomas gets a little chance here with Donovan uh, Wilson hurt. Like guys who had been playing in the preseason, um, kind of amped up, ready to go. Um, and that's where kind of like the questions do come to next week. If there's anything else you guys want to hit, we can cover some more things on the Giants game. But I can't help but like get ahead of knowing what happened last night as we record this on Tuesday evening. Though what happened last night with Aaron Rodgers, 
which takes away not only uh, some some luster from <laughs> the league, but also specifically this week's matchup. I think we were all looking forward to Rodgers versus McCarthy and uh, all of that good stuff. It is a good break for the Cowboys from a you know on the field standpoint. I saw the NFL like the national. Like in the first twelve weeks, I think they had like seven or eight, you know, Jets games in those national windows. Whether it be the three twenty-five game of the week or Sunday night or Monday night, but the offense, you know, it's almost like it's very dismissive to call last week a bye week for the offense. Now we're going to see the offense kind of have a real chance to show something against a really good defense in this league, and I'm really excited for that because. You know, uh, obviously new play caller and a lot of things there. But this is a game where the Cowboys' offense could be stymied a little bit. And you feel like they'll be fine because Zach Wilson is your opponent. But I'm I'm just fascinated and thrilled to, you know, watch the Cowboys' offense on Sunday against a very, very good Jets defense. Yeah, absolutely. I will also say that going into the season, which is a week ago, I would have said that I think – the Giants will have a better offensive line than the Jets. And so if that ends up being the case and the Cowboys did that against the Giants offensive line, I mean, my God, what could they do against that Jets offensive line? Ten sacks. Give us ten uh, sacks. I mean, the other thing I was going to say, thinking of watching that Jets game Monday night, is as wild as it is that the Cowboys scored 40 without a single deck Prescott touchdown, it's probably equally as wild. If I would have told you going in, that there would be bad weather conditions playing at on MetLife's field, which is obviously come into question now. Again, it's it's had it's delivered more than its share of injuries, um, yeah. and to have the Cowboys come out of that game with everybody pretty much healthy. I mean, heck, you didn't even have to. I mean, Micah Parsons got to rest a bunch. Um, I think Terrence Steele probably played the most snaps out of all the offensive linemen, and he obviously didn't play the whole game. To get out of that game without any injuries, um, and then you add in kind of the icing on the cake that they also didn't have any injuries of note from starters who didn't play at all during the preseason. You know, that's a big argument with a lot of people. They want to say that, you know, you need to get these guys warmed up, play them in the preseason. The fact that they didn't have any of those starters really play in the preseason and to get out of that game uh, relatively healthy. That was a huge surprise too. You know, the other thing too, like with that is obviously you don't want anyone getting hurt when the game's like, well, now I was sitting there going even at 26, nothing because the giants had just created no momentum offensively. I was going, I'm good with Dak sitting. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get him out. Like 26 and he ended up happening at 33 to nothing. I think, um, at some point at 33 nothing, You know, the other thing through all of that is the run defense will be on display as well against the Jets. So, like, the other two, like, two things I like, might be watching for for the Cowboys. We're excited to see the offense and, like, a, against a competitive team because you know, I don't think you could say the Giants were that last week. But the run defense, the one, uh, I guess you could say probably the biggest flaw of the team, uh, if there is a flaw, the biggest fall of the team is that, and maybe we'll talk about the kicker in a little bit. Um, but, like, that's that's something to watch. Dalvin Cook and, and Brees Hall, they looked really good last night uh, in the game against Buffalo, and they're, they're going to protect Zach Wilson. I mean, the Jet, I've never seen a team – it's been a long time. It's It's been 20 years since those, like, 
Buccaneers and like Ravens teams in the early 2000s, you see a team like the Jets now without Aaron Rodgers play like their defense is on offense. Like they were taking timeouts to give their defense a breather as the Bills needed time, you know, in last night's game. Like they were treating their defense like the offense. So that's the other thing too is like how the run defense stack up because, you know, uh, Saquon, they kept him in check pretty much. But, you know, it's it's just weird. The Cowboys could, you know, pin their ears back and go kind of all night. I think what Saquon was like 12 at 51 yards or something, like just four yards of carry. Something like that, but the Giants weren't really trying. You know, after that first drive, there was nothing happening for the Giants. So I also the think thing. the Cowboys' defense deserves a little bit of a pass for the way the game started, going back to what I said about not playing in the preseason. Now, if that continued throughout the game, second half, they were getting gashed like that, that'd be a little bit different. But the fact that, yeah. you know, that first drive was like that, I don't know, there's a part of me that thinks, well, they haven't really played any meaningful football. I mean, when I look at that Trayvon Diggs hit or some of those Marquise Bell hits and and – and obviously some of the Micah ones, like, when else are you practicing that? When are you getting ready for that? They're not doing they're that not. in practice. They're not hitting anybody. They, like, they hit, you know, they do tackling drills and things like that, but they're not actually physically tackling anybody. So if you're not doing that in the preseason, then you're making tackles for the first time since the San Francisco game. So um, because of that, I kind of give them a pass for the way they started the game. But this, to your point, will be a good test with the running backs that they do have with New York. But I also don't expect them to completely shut them down um, because I do think that if there is a weakness with this defense, who which could be you know the NFL's best defense, could be a, a historically good defense, it'll be the run game, no question. Um, but I need to see more in this game than because – the way they started out, I don't think that's indicative of what they, they actually are defensively. Yeah, I also think that another, you know, I, another thing is that for the next three weeks, I mean, one, you just came off of Daniel Jones. Now you're going to go against Zach Wilson and then maybe Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon. I don't know who Arizona is going to roll out there. And then in New England, you'll go against Mac Jones. The thing with all these guys is you're – even even with the Jets, like we acknowledge they have good running backs with Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook and everything, but they're one-dimensional. So even the run defense, you, you could try to stack it up and try to stop them. And even if they do well run defensively, I, I'll still be a little curious how they respond against a more balanced offense. And, you know, I'm a li- I was a little skeptical on Brock Purdy coming in, but he looked great in that first game. And I'll be curious, you know, once you get down to October – and in those back-to-back weeks when you're going against Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey and then you're going against, you know, uh, the Chargers with what they have and Kellen Moore and everything, and they just had a good offensive game plan as well, I, I think that's the first time we'll really get a complete outlook on the defense. Maybe New England with Mac Jones and, and you know, their rushing attack, but these next two weeks are going to be hard to kind of judge a little bit as well. Does feel like Turpin is going to be involved – a little more. I don't think that was you know, garbage time fun. There's maybe your first, maybe McCarthy wrinkle. If you could take anything out of that game from McCarthy, and I don't think you could take much away from it. What about the Trying pick play? What about that pick play to uh, CD Lamb? We didn't see a ton of that before. I thought that was interesting. You know, like that that was very Green Bay esque from early 2010s. You know, get your uh, get a. You know, you, you're right. There's that the Turpin thing. Like we didn't even talk about like who's the backup running back. That was a discussion all summer long, right? Well, it's Rico Dowdle, of course, and you know, and then Deuce Vaughn. But you know, if they're going to use Turpin like that, then maybe we need to consider him, even though it's not even a traditional 
running back or wide receiver. There's a guy who's going to get touches, and that's good. Get the ball in playmaker's hands and let him go party. You know, that's, I get, that's good. So, I mean, so far, so good. Yeah, and KT, I mean, you saw this in Green Bay with Ty Montgomery. It's not the first time McCarthy's doing yeah. this, like, convert a receiver to a running back type thing. We saw that with Montgomery as well. And then also the the fact on the Turpin plays, it wasn't only just getting a guy like that in space, but I found it interesting how multiple times it was to get him out in space and his lead blocker was Tyron Smith. And mm-hmm. the I think both plays they did it on, I think they, I mean, they got like six to eight yards. It wasn't like there was big home runs, but when you watch it over again, you're like, yeah, I could see the potential of this hitting big. Also, they seem like plays you could also roam at Deuce Vaughn because you know the hype coming into you know the regular season when you win Nickelodeon preseason player of the year like there's a lot of hype behind you and so I think the expectations were very high for Deuce Vaughn and he didn't make nearly that that type of an impact but there were some things they did with Durpin that I think they could also do with Deuce Vaughn as well yeah and McCarthy talked about it this week that it was a point of emphasis this season. And, and this is not a surprise because we saw it through camp and Oxnard and everything is that they didn't want Turpin to be this gadget play, this gadget player, the way we kind of saw with maybe some lucky whitehead type stuff, you know, where all, once in a while you just kind of see him doing some kind of trick play. Like McCarthy talked about this week. And we, and again, it's consistent with what we saw throughout Oxnard as well, that they wanted Turpin to have an established role on the offense. And and so, you know, I think we saw a little bit of that going in. The other one I was going to mention uh, early in the third quarter, when they got down to the red zone, they ran that screen to Tony Pollard, which was a really nice play, but he ended up fumbling on that play. They, they ended up scoring on that drive, but it, that one's kind of stood out to me just a little bit because of the fact that we've, as we've talked about before, interested to just see how much the screen game kind of gets into play with Pollard, having Turpin, having Deuce Vaughn. Um, just because there's been a few years now where it hasn't been nearly as as successful as it had been. Uh, let's talk about the kicker for a minute, right? Uh, man, after that first one, <laughs> which seemed I, I seemed like the operation was fine. Weather was a problem the other night. Boy, he hit everything pure outside of that, didn't he? He just had a little bit of the yipes to start the game, but he was fine after that. He just had to shake that one off there. Yeah. John Fossil said it was because it was a little out of the ordinary type deal where, uh, you know, the special teams got a score and maybe his timing was a little off and to kick your very first kick in an NFL game. So uh, much like the run defense to start, we're going to give Aubrey a pass to start the game and everything after that looked like it was pretty good. And considering those weather conditions and looking at, how badly Graham Gano, a, a kicker that the Giants just recently paid to keep around for a while, how badly he missed on his field goal, the one that yeah. wasn't blocked. Um, yeah, I was. I thought Aubrey Aubrey played well. Did you see Maher yeah. still struggling in uh, in L.A.? I guess struggling. It was? Man, no, it was I did. A little yeah. bit wronged. I mean, first kick blocked. Second kick, the classic Maher fifty six yarder right before the first half. I mean. <laughs> A tradition like none other. Yeah. So a little bit wronged on his one for three the other day. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah. With, with Aubrey, like I, I actually, I actually kind of, I, I don't know if it's just, uh, if it's just how I kind of heard it, but I, I was, I kind of bought what what Fossil was selling in terms of you know the operation being off and and that kind of stuff, especially because he did look fine, um, you know, in, in the subsequent a- attempts. And I also turned to John during the game, and I was like, after he made that 38-yarder, I was like, you realize that's his first mid 
mid-range attempt period in the preseason or regular season like he's either (laughs) he's he's either had chip shots or 59 yarders that was the first time he attempted something that was you know remotely mid-range and so um and and so i think all that to say i think there's a there's a little bit of a learning curve happening and you know good for the cowboys that it came during a 40 to nothing win but you know I, i think i do give him a little bit of pass and also i think point KT bringing up Maher and stuff I think you always have to also kind of measure how you're grading kickers if you're always going to grade them against Justin Tucker you're probably going to be disappointed but you have to just kind of gauge like okay you know how bad can it really get and and what are the expectations here and so that's kind of how I'm also grading Aubrey yeah you can't be missing four extra points in one game right but outside of that we'll give you we'll give you some grace <laughs> You can't go one for six in the playoffs. No. Um, but, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I was pleased. I, I mean, and I just, you can just tell, by the way, guys striking the ball. I mean, that's that's kind of what it comes down to for me. Something as simple as that. Man, we get to this week. I, home game. Okay, there we go. We got Romo game for the TV crowd watching, so that ought to be fun. I don't know, man. Watching the Monday night game, I was sitting there going, this sucks. Because, well, like this gives the Cowboys a very good chance to go two and zero. In fact, seeing the Vegas line move over the course of a few hours was wild, from three and a half favorites to nine and a half, and it might get more than that. Who knows? That was pretty crazy. But I, I don't know how you guys felt last night watching the Monday night game. If you were just like, I don't know, I was like almost like heartbroken, and this has nothing to do with really even Aaron Rodgers. It's just like. I was really looking forward to this, the storyline and the the event. And Zach Wilson versus the Cowboys does way less. And that changes the storyline to, you know, the Jets' defense against the Cowboys' offense and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I kind mean, of how, think for me, I feel like – How did you take that in last night? Yeah, with that Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, with Aaron Rodgers, I just look at it as where he's at in his career. And he's going to be 40. You know, to come back from an injury like an Achilles, that's – you know, when it, when it happened, um, you almost got to hope it's just a cramp. No, uh, when it happened, you were like, I kind of wonder if it was like a twisted ankle or something like that. And then for it to find out that it's Achilles, that's that's a that's a tough one to come back from when you're in the prime of your career, any sport. Um, but the fact that where he's at, I know he's going to do everything he can to come back and that, but. It's, it's one of those injuries where a lot of people aren't the same after that happens. And so, and it's going to take a lot of grueling, uh, you know, awful, just not exciting recovery time and a lot of work behind the scenes to just get back to where he was going into that game. And that's tough. You just hate to see that happen to a guy uh, who is one of the game's greatest players ever. And like you said, the Cowboys are about to play him. I, th- I thought it was going to be a really good matchup. Um, I don't think that now. Um I think you just let do everything you can to try and make Zach Wilson beat you. And uh, uh, I completely understand why the spread would move that much because that's just how valuable uh, Aaron Rodgers is. To be honest, part of me and part of me kind of views it as, you know, the Cowboys get to have, get to rack up a couple of regular season wins while also getting some preseason action. And like, you know, like, like, like for McCarthy, Going back to play calling, I kind of even asked uh, Brian Schottenheimer this yesterday, but um, but but 
you kind of you kind of got the feeling that after you go up 26 nothing at this point you can just kind of work out some kinks or whatever that you need to as a play caller as a play calling operation and i feel like defensively that was more offensively this time i feel like defensively you can just try out new things like i mean shoot you want to see cover zero how you can try to run cover zero and make it work like go for it this is the week to do it so um you want to see how you know your corners hang on and man-on-man coverage and you know and, and kind of play the receivers while you try to stop the run this is the week to kind of experiment a little bit so uh i know nfl coaches and teams don't view it that way they're going to take it seriously as they should and everything but i feel like at some point the game can just naturally you know fall into that category of like all right like we don't want to put too much on tape, but let's see how this kind of looks. Yeah, and I'm all about giving Donovan Wilson, Tyler Smith another week. I, I'm not trying to bring them back for this game, especially with the injuries they have on ones where, you know, another week could be huge for them. Uh, yeah, no Aaron Rodgers, seeing what that defense did without Donovan Wilson, uh, seeing how Chuma Doga played, going to be going against his, his, his former team. Uh, I'm fine with rolling with that. I'd give Tyler Smith another week. Me as well. Yeah. The one guy that I would maybe dress and have active to see if he wants to get in and get his feet wet is Jordan Lewis. Um, it feels like he's getting close and everything. He was a full participant in practice all week. If they feel like he's getting close, if he's close to game ready and you know he wants to kind of, again, just try it out, I would have him active. Maybe not start or play, but again, if the game gets out of hand and you just want to get him out there, he. I, I, agree, with, I agree with John. Tyler Smith and and those guys are the ones that I would Donovan Wilson I'd keep out for another week. But Jordan, he was a full participant in practice all week and was inactive on game day. He's probably one that I would just dress and have active. I might keep Tyler Smith and Dono out until the 49ers game, but that's why I'm not in charge. Well, I mean, that's the whole though. That's the that's the Mike McCarthy thing we've talked about though, right? About believing in the ramp up, you know, and and. I know understanding that every game is important, but the the one that ones that mean the most are down the line. I mean, you know, we were having conversations, fair or not, and I would say most uh, a lot of these nationally driven, but whatever, where we would kind of look at those first six games before the bye and go, well, you know, what happens if they get off to a two and four start? Because the Jets game looked really tough, the 49ers game looks tough, the Chargers game looks tough. And now that, that Jets game doesn't look tough coming off of a 40 to nothing game, you're like, well, Arizona, that feels like a layup. New England will play you tough, but you still feel like you're the better team, especially getting them at home here. Uh, it feels like cruise control to 4 0. You never want to, you know, get out in front too much, but man, it's well, just. I, it's, I will say this. this injury, if they, they would have beat the Giants like 21 17. I think you could still look at the schedule and say that, but to see how they put the throttle down, I don't think it's that re- ridiculous to think that at all. To start looking ahead at what they could do, you know, I, I would just, just to- limit the cruise control to three and zero. Personally, I, I don't think you're cruising past Belichick and the Patriots. I think I, I think you still win that game, but I think you have to you have you you have to go out and win that game. Especially as someone I watched the Eagles game, and yeah, they got up real big early, and then the Patriots came back and maybe should have won the game to be honest um, with the way that the, you know uh, the Patriots played late. So I would say cruise control to three, three and O is not a, uh, is not unreasonable at all. The Ezekiel Elliott revenge game. <laughs> yes. 
What'd you think about our friend of the show, Ezekiel Elliott there, Saad? He got loose one time for about 11 yards. Yeah, he got loose one time on that first, and it was outside. And he made a nice cut and, and, you know, got loose. And then they came back. And then I think the next play was the pick six, and they came back, and the first thing they did was throw a screen to Zeke, and he fumbled for the first time in, like, two years. So that that was a bummer. That's – I mean, Stevenson's still your starter there, mostly, right? Getting the most yeah. of the carries in New England. So, Zeke. Yeah. You know, I think Tony Pollard looked great, um, which we know and we've, uh, I guess, come accustomed to. That's another thing about this is, you know, 14 carries. Cool. We've talked about, oh, it was on the franchise tag, so burn him out. Who cares? You can slow burn him a little bit here, too. And, and, and by the way, the other guys in the running back room have – Taking some, you know, they they deserve a lot of respect and credit for what they've been able to do to make you feel like, oh, I don't have to give the ball to Tony Pollard, you know, twenty times. Not that any NFL running back gets the ball twenty times anymore these days, but like it does feel like the next two weeks you have a chance to kind of slow burn Tony Pollard too. You don't have to, you know, give him fifteen carries. You can kind of ease up on that. Now the Jets game could be tougher than we're than we're giving it credit. I mean. They did through everything that happened last night, and Josh Allen did not play good, but they also made Josh Allen not play good. So they could give the Cowboys problems. I don't you know, I get too far ahead of it. This is yeah, a way I tougher mean, game than Arizona will be. You know, the Jets with Zach Wilson, way more difficult opponent than what you're going to be dealing with with Arizona. Right, and I, if I'm the Jets, I'm trying to put Sauce Gardner on, on CD and take CD away as much as possible and go, all right, if we can shut down this run – Let's make Dak beat us throwing to Jake Ferguson, who had some drops, and Peyton Hendershot, who had a drop. And, uh, you know, Cooks, obviously, he didn't get a ton of opportunities, but when he when it, the ball did go his way, he he obviously played well. But, yeah, let me let me see what he does with Michael Gallup, who didn't have a, you know, a huge game. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, who we had talked a lot about, how he was so outstanding in, you know, the preseason and training camp. Let's see him throw to those guys, you know. And so because of that, I think this game could be very interesting from that perspective because, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of people, myself included, with the way the game was going Sunday night, you're sitting there going, McCarthy, just run the clock out and just get to halftime. And he yeah. put the, you know, the foot to the <laughs> to the pedal and, and he sat there and, and it was like, no, no, we're going to go after this. And it did make a lot of sense on Monday when he talked about it. The reason he was doing that is because he wanted to see those guys in that type of scenario because you don't have, they weren't playing in the preseason. They, you know, they, there's, this is a perfect opportunity to put guys in, in a, in a, in a, you know, a loud environment, not great weather conditions. Let's see how they operate in, in a two minute. This is going to be, this is the NFL. You know, there's very few games that don't have some type of, you know, really tight two minute type drill need to get down there and score situation. And so I found that interesting. It just, but it would have been one of those things. If that would have been a turnover, potentially gets the giants back in the game. uh, That would have been one that, you know, would have been very high in the game stories after but it didn't, and so uh, they took care of business there. But, you know, you do want to see more from the passing game. And I think the more that these guys are together, uh, more that, you know, Cooks is in the mix. The, I don't think the tight ends will be nearly as bad. Like Jake Ferguson, it's not like he's really got bad hands. That's that's why I've thought of him as the one number one tight end. So I don't know, I don't know that that will continue. Uh, but I, I do want to see more from the passing game, like I, like I feel like most, you know, people that watch that game do. Yeah, and I think the tight end group in particular, if you're going to get nitpicky at all about a 40 to nothing win, I mean, the tight end group is really the only area that you can even look at because Hendershot dropped a touchdown. 
Ferguson had a few drops. And so um, now, again, the weather is important to take into account that as well. But sure, I mean, you know, you'd like to see more. But I, I do think the matchup here is going to be offense versus defense in terms of Cowboys offense versus Jets defense more as opposed to I saw the Giants game more as Cowboys defense versus Giants offense. So to me, it kind of it does kind of flip a little bit. But given the amount of star power you have um, on your offense, it should not be uh, some sort of, you know, grueling test. It should just be, you know, a decent test. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, it's, the game's going to be 325 at home. CBS, still a big deal. People are going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers. The other thing I keep thinking about is short week and the emotional oh, – short week road game and then the emotional disruption that that team's had. I mean, and, and one game. And for them to win that game last night, incredible. But – It's also an even shorter keep, week for them, though. I know. So I'm saying, like – that's what I'm saying. Short week. For oh, the I Jets. think you meant for the Cowboys because the Cowboys do look at it that way because it's Sunday night. Like even their Wednesday schedule, like we just got it. Yeah. Like they're practicing like later in the afternoon. Uh, they McCarthy does treat it like that to a certain extent because it is whatever three and a half hour flight up there and back, and um, because it was a night game like that. But at the same time, it's not it's not in the same level as what the Jets will be coming in with. So. Uh, short no. week to try and get Zach Wilson, you know, all caught up to being your number one guy. I mean, they can sit there and say whatever they want, but behind the scenes, there's no way that there's guys that literally, I shouldn't say guys, because there, there might be, there shouldn't be, but there might be uh, players on the team. They're just going, Oh no, man, next man up. We lost Aaron. Zach was a high draft pick. Like we're ready to roll. Like, you know, there's, there's as much as the ESPN crew rolled out and got some great footage of dejected Jets fans. After all that happened, there's no question that the team that's a huge gut punch to lose Aaron Rodgers with all the yeah. hype the Jets had coming in this season because of Rodgers. I, I would, I mean, now I, I don't think that they're just going to lay over or anything like that and and just and it be another forty to nothing game. But if they come out and don't play very well, I don't, I don't think anybody should be surprised. Trey Lance to the Jets for a fourth round pick. Would you do that? <laughs> uh Probably not, and and I know Jerry wouldn't do that. He would need a lot more than that uh, to to do a move like that. It's going to be if, a better fourth round pick than you would have had, right? But if you're the Jets, why would you do that anyway? You don't why think not? you can get something better than Trey Lance in terms of right now to step in for a fourth round pick? No, for sure. No, no, you absolutely. Uh, you don't even yeah, know I'm that sorry. Trey Lance is better than Zach Wilson. I'm going. I'm going not. to the uh, Sala connection from yeah. two years ago. Not that yeah. Sala. Oh, that Trey Lance for Zach people. Wilson. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. The, well, we're that's making what, it clear he's our quarterback. Hey, Who's most likely quarterback? I don't remember exactly what he said, but I should go back and listen to it. But Collinsworth said that they asked Dak about that in one of their meetings, you know? And uh, and Dak said something along the lines of, like, how the Cowboys are always in the news, even when they basically don't need to be. Almost like everything was just kind of riding, and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, let's trade for Trey Lance and kind of just make this interesting when it really doesn't need to be like it would with a lot of other organizations. I don't know. Hey, this is one of those things in those meetings. They're not they're not like recording it, writing down quote for quote or whatever. They're just kind of having conversations of things they can use during the broadcast. But when I heard him mention that, it just cemented home, like I've said before. Uh, And maybe I haven't said it on here, but I say it to Saad. Like Tom Brady's not winning seven Super Bowls as the Cowboys quarterback. 
There's just so much other stuff that it's that just comes with it that even you can't just even ride. Like I don't even think the Cowboys can do like look at like what Brady did with the Patriots when I mean they almost had a full undefeated season. I just think that would be so hard to do with the Cowboys because they're just it just can't be just everyone just kind of quiet down and just ride this wave. Everything's going well. There always has to be something either organically that happens or is kind of forced into place by uh, the gentleman in charge. Yeah, I mean, 2016, I mean, things are cruising, and then Romo's like, let's call a press conference in the middle <laughs> of the year. Like, that didn't need to happen. Um, <laughs> but there's, like, a lot of stuff, too, that I think about. I mean, Dak, it's it's the guys who are on their, like, second contract who end up making comments about this over time. It's never, you know, the guys who are just there, happy to be there, <laughs> you know. But, like, Zach, uh, that's Dak at 30, finally going, you know what, I've earned it. Oh, you know, there was no pointed thing, you know, it's not like any agenda behind it. But those guys do get tired of it. <laughs> they absolutely do. So, I oh, know, I mean, look funny. at look at how far removed Troy Aikman is from playing. And God, just ask Troy what he thinks about Jimmy not being in the Ring of Honor. And you'll find out about how he feel. Hey, how he still has feelings for with the whole Jerry Jimmy situation, you know. So, yeah, I think that. I think the longer you're around, especially when you're the franchise quarterback, I think that there are certain things that probably weigh on you because you already have so much on your plate. You know, I saw a ton of people mentioning this, and it's so true. If for for Dak of on Sunday night, he easily could have had that Josh Allen game that we saw this weekend. He easily could have had that Joe Burrow game. And what would this you know storylines be with that? You know, I think. I want to say it was 20 quarterbacks turned the ball over, whether it be an interception or, or, or losing a fumble this week. And Dak, that was the big storyline, you know, 15 interceptions, got to take care of the ball. And you put him in the worst weather conditions without playing any preseason games, doesn't turn the ball over once. And, you know, that was one of those kind of underrated storylines from that game. I mean, just, just think back about that Eric Scott interception on the first pass of training camp and what that got compared to compared to some of these quarterbacks having, like, you know, the worst games. Now, I understand Burrow and Allen have been to championship games and you're kind of giving them benefit of the doubt for a lot of those things. Um, but, man, it's just funny to, to watch the news cycle like that. And, and look, Chris Collinsworth, going, going back to what he said, this is – I think he said this on a – podcast with dan patrick or something where he was like look if you ask us what game we want for sunday night football 17 games we want the dallas cowboys they're four and six they're on whatever give us the dallas cowboys and there's a reason why collinsworth didn't grow up some cowboys fan didn't play for the cowboys or anything like that just you know it's, it's business decisions there's a reason why broadcasters and people feel that way what did you think of the burrow deal John and how that might affect Dak. Oh, it's great for Dak. I mean, heck, that Burrow deal, that Nick Bosa deal. That was another thing they said during the uh, broadcast that when they were talking to Micah about that, like he he'd even told them he thought that 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 Bosa deal exceeded what he thought Bosa was going to get. So that's got to make you thrilled. And so yeah, the Joe Burrow was at fifty five million per season. I mean, the price just keeps going up for Dak. You know. And he doesn't have to be Joe Burrow. And and I'm not saying he's going to get 55. I guess the longer he waits, <laughs> he possibly could, just depending on where else the, the market goes. But, yeah, it's great for him. But it's also great for him when you see that Daniel Jones gets four for 160, the same contract Dak has right now. And you watch him, there's no question Dak looks at that and his agent will look at that and be like, yeah, he's nowhere in, near in the neighborhood of what you're paying him right now. So 
Uh, he's got a lot of money to be made. I just think uh, it's one of those deals where it's pretty clear that the Cowboys really want him to do five years as opposed to four like he did uh, on that past contract. And that was a big, you know, point between the two sides, you know, that it might have yeah. gotten done before then. But the Cowboys did not want to give in on that whole five, fifth year thing. And so because of that um, and, you know, Burrow getting the deal that he gets, uh, I wonder how that, you know, might play in there. Because the reason why the Cowboys want that is because of the fact that that gives them more of a chance to push this money down the road. And yeah, what was Burrow? Five for 275. Yeah. So five years on that one. I think the Cowboys would really want to get that because then that allows you to, it doesn't hurt you as much because of the fact that you can move some of that money because you're also going to be given a big contract to, to CeeDee Lamb and you're going to give another huge contract to Micah Parsons. I mean, when you pay all those guys, there's not going to be much salary left to do anything of note outside of basically keeping your draft class. And so, uh, yeah, he has to be absolutely thrilled when he sees that Joe Burrow deal because uh, I think Dak's going to have a good year and he might have a great year. But he's getting paid regardless, one way or the other. So um, when he sees a deal like that, as long as he's able to, you know, play well and stay healthy, uh, he's. I mean, yeah, there, he's going to be in that in that conversation. And because he's the Cowboys' quarterback, there's going to be a lot of talk of whether he deserves that or not. And in the end, it's not going to matter just because it was just like the last contract. There's a lot of people that looked at, oh, they're not going to give him $40 million a season. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. He hasn't been to a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter. I feel like Micah could get close to 40 right? If he keeps I mean, playing like he has and he stays going, healthy, yes. That, that yes, number sir. could be – that number – I mean, I hope people are like as outraged about that as they are about Dak getting what he got. I mean, if, if – it's just different. Like I'm not. Like, Micah is a game wrecker and all due respect in the world, but like, well, I will say this: that if should that, generate more outrage. A defensive player making them it should generate just as much outrage as at the time it was Dak making thirty. Well, the only reason I would say it's different is that I don't think anybody's ever put Dak in the conversation of best quarterback, best offensive player, and and Micah's certainly there. And I will also say, for me personally, if it keeps going in this direction another double-digit win season. Let's say they, they make a playoff run. I don't see any of that happening without Micah Parsons, one. Two, if that does happen, I will look back on these last three years, the first three years of major consistent winning, double-digit wins since the 90s, and if I'm doing a list of the most important people towards that, who are you putting above Micah Parsons? He is the biggest reason for that. I'm not saying he's the only, obviously. you got to give McCarthy credit, Dak, Jerry. I mean, everyone that's put the team together, there's a lot of pieces. There's 22 players on the field, I, and you know, 53 men on the roster. But if you got a point to that, you're putting a list together. I'll argue with anybody. Nobody goes above Micah Parsons. And I would uh, say, right. I, I would say right after Mike or close to the top five would be Dan Quinn. Uh, I'd put him up there too, because once he got here, everything changed defensively. Yeah. That does time out. You're right. That times out very well. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's this Jets are going to do, though? Like, uh... 
Tom Brady sod? I no, I don't think Tom Brady is. Uh, Tom Brady would come out for that at all. Why One not. That's a good team. I just remember back in the mid two thousands as well, where he, you know, just how much he hated the Jets. But other than that, I, I like he just looks like he's enjoying retirement way too much with partnering with you know whatever airlines and buying new teams and whatever he's doing now. But you know, hanging out with be- chicks. Well, it could be. Well, could you imagine him? Go, him getting a uh, Patriots welcome back like retirement thing, and then the next week <laughs> signing with the Jets? That would be the most ridiculous thing ever. Um, if if awesome. Robert Kraft sold the team, sold sold the Patriots, and it and it was no longer in his family, and and Brady was let's say like in his late thirties, all of that stuff I wouldn't even think matters either with the fans and all that stuff. Um, I think he would like to stick it to Belichick in a certain way like that. But I just think he's too loyal to Robert Kraft that I don't think when he left the Patriots, he would go to another AFC East team. And I certainly can't see him doing it now. Yeah, but, you know, there were all those talks about the Dolphins. And like, and for me, like that kind of – I always thought that. And the Dolphins were always the team in New England that he had the toughest time against throughout his entire career. Um, but but in, in terms of the Jets, I'll tell you one – <laughs> that I I don't think it's going to happen, and and there's no way there's an upside to it. But it would be fascinating if the Jets were just like came to the Cowboys and were like, "Hey, what do you want for Cooper Rush? Because you can make Trey Lance your backup or something, and and we'll take Cooper Rush for a whatever round pick." And and now th- that would be really interesting. Man, listen to Jerry this morning on the radio. I don't think that's happening. I think <laughs> I mean I mean are they coming and giving him a one for Cooper Rush? Because no way. Yeah. But yeah, because if it's going to not be anything like just that blows you out of the water, Jerry's not doing it. I mean the the quote he said today uh, when he was asked about what if they come have the Jets, he, he was asked if the Jets have called about doing a deal for Cooper Rush or Trey Lance, and he said I can't imagine what it would be which means to make that type of a trade. And he said, especially when you get all the promise that we got to compromise yourself with the depth of that position, which would mean to give up one of the, like to give up a Cooper rush. He said that would be very unlikely. And he specifically pointed out the facts of, you know, they needed rush last year when Dak went down, they needed him the year before when Dak went down. So unless they just bloom out of the water with something crazy, we're just like, wow, I mean, we can't pass up on this. I just don't see that happening. Once they think or know Trey Lance has something, and there's and no way if to Dak know that. went down, you're okay with handing the keys to Trey Lance, which is definitely not the case. So you got to keep rushing around. I'm going to say this: we're not allowed to post videos from practice, and anytime I post a Trey Lance picture, people are just like, "Post the videos, post the videos." All right, I don't think Trey Lance is ready for that. Let's just put it that way. Okay. What? There's, let's just say, let's just say, John Machota is is up the depth chart for uh, receivers in Trey Lance. That Trey Lance um, is is uh, is on Trey Lance's you guys depth chart. on the sideline. That's what we'd heard. That's what we'd heard in San Francisco too. Well, I'm not even pointing to that as much as just like this is all different. And he didn't have any training camp or anything. Like he's getting thrown into. We talked all offseason about Dak Prescott, one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL them making some changes to the offense and how, you know, it's good that they got this thing. All the countless hours that him, he was working with the receivers on his own and stuff like that. You're going to throw in Trey Lance, who's not even familiar with doing everything that's in this offense and think that it's just going to be like, oh, no, no, no. He's just going to race what happened in, in San Francisco. He's going to be the guy that he was at North Dakota State. Like, 
that's silliness to think that he would be your backup. Like, no, that's not happening. I mean, that's why that's the whole thing that happened in San Francisco. Though, he was not practicing good. I mean, it was out. There. He, he was he not needs, practicing well. He was, and well we're not even watching full. We're with. not watching full practices or anything like that. We we watch like the first ten minutes and stuff like that. Like, he's very much in like the. You know they got they're working on on like basics of how that Mike McCarthy wants the offense run and, and how he wants him you know to I mean heck one day they were working on just like you know the way that he wants to do the handoffs on on some of the uh, you know zone read type things like that and I mean there's footwork stuff there's all this this things that like they also don't want to just throw him out there and before he even gets a chance to go through a full like off season to just, okay, oh, yeah, we're going to throw it all on your shoulders. And then if you sink, then, well, yeah, then he's definitely done because his confidence is going to be at an all time low. Like, they're, they don't want to get, throw him in, into any meaningful time right now. They would love to, you know, a game like there was Sunday night, if you were able to get him in there, if there was no rule about, you know, only two quarterback, like if that third quarter, well, yeah. I guess they could have him active in, in, in some, some sloppy late game time. Sure. But, if nobody should be thinking he's ready to be the Dallas Cowboys backup quarterback. He's had really no time to get caught up with anything that they're doing. And he's not exactly coming in from a a point of confidence being sky high. Can he be Zach Wilson in practice this week? I mean, are are we there? Yeah, sure. I mean, is that the, is that the, sure. But I think that's even overrated. Like you can have CJ Goodwin do that. Who cares? It's not like the pass has to be accurate. It's not like, I mean, you just have to have somebody that can be mobile, you know, Cooper Rush can do it. He'll be fine. I just think there's a lot made of that whole, like, they're playing yeah, Lamar Jackson this week. Who could possibly be it? A defensive back. They'll have them work some reps here. It's not like, it's not like well, can't have him back there because his passes aren't the same as Lamar's. Like, you know, like, just, it's a decoy. Like, it's just, you're working on what it's going to be like in, in, in games. It's not, it's not like you're going to go apples to apples. No one's going to have Lamar Jackson on, you know, it's not, it, I, I just think that stuff's overrated. Yeah, no, it probably is. Absolutely. Let's do some picks. Pick them up. I'll go first this week, guys. I picked 27-17 last week. I can't believe I thought the Giants would score 17 points. Um, Cowboys 20, Jets 6. I used to be tough. I, I do think defense is, their defense is really good, yeah, obviously. But I don't know. They, the Jets showed you just a little bit last night. You know, sticking it out and, and really basically played that a whole game without without Aaron Rodgers and found a way to get the win. So it's still gonna be tough. Twenty to six Cowboys. Uh let's go to John. I'm gonna go Cowboys twenty three Jets ten. And I think the offense will look better, particularly the passing game. I think that the numbers will be better, but I just think you'll see a little bit more involvement from Brandon Cooks. Um, Michael Gallup, I think, will have a bigger impact. I just don't think you're going to see the drops as much. Um, I think that'll be Weather should be nice. Weather should be nice. I think that they'll uh, be very focused on on the dropsies there uh, in practice this week. I don't think you'll see that, uh, you know, uh, two weeks in a row, so yeah, give me give me the Cowboys winning this one. Uh, I don't want to say easily, but I'd be very surprised if they lost this game. Sod. 
Yeah, give me the Cowboys 28 to 6. And I'll say, I'm going to say that the defense scores another touchdown this game. And I'll go ahead and say it's a strip sack fumble recovery for a touchdown. Wow. So Saad and I were on the same flight out to, uh, to New Jersey. And uh, we were uh, joking around about how uh, in our thing for Saturday morning on The Athletic, we both picked the Cowboys to win. Same scores as we said last week on, on the podcast. And we were joking about some of the people in the comments because, again, when they put that up, you know, you're going to get Giants fans in there and stuff like that. And people that would call us homers for, for picking <laughs> the Cowboys to win this game. And it just makes me laugh. I mean, we like I think Adam went in by like 10 or 12, sod something similar. And it's like, well, what do you think? Like, I don't care if the Cowboys win. That's not my job. Like, my job is to try and give you the most accurate assessment of the things I see and hear. And after that game, you're just like, yeah, I was a real homer about picking the Cowboys to win when Dak Prescott won for his 11th time. Like, it, and it was the most, like, non-competitive game. Like, I don't know. I think the Giants fans were just feeling, like, real good coming off what they did last year. But it isn't just the Giants thing. It just it, it cracks me up when people think that, like, I'm just sitting there and just like, yeah, Cowboys, 17-0. and this will be the Super Bowl like every year. Like, no, I'm just going off what I see. And I just don't know how you'd have me pick the Giants off of the fact that they just really never beat the Cowboys when they're healthy. So there's that. And it's the same thing with this Jets game. Like, I'm obviously, I think that they win by at least 10, but I just don't look at the Jets with Zach Wilson and think that this is some, yeah, but they're going to have a plan together and they have a really good defense. I'm just like, yeah. And if that happens, then that's not even, like, I'm not even giving props to the Jets. It's shame on the Cowboys. That would be like that they had some type of, if that happens, some type of a hangover. They were flying too high thinking, oh, we you know, we won four to nothing. It's not even really a Jets thing to me. If the Cowboys show up and, and do their thing with the way their defense is, this game shouldn't be close. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, let's go to Kent. Cowboys 24, Jets 2. <laughs> We'll get a little safety. So none, none of us Williams had the Cowboys. With the safety. None of us had the Cowboys getting to 30. Well, That's I think at some good. point, at some point, yeah, the Jets defense is good. And I also think that, you know, at some point you do just kind of take your foot off and, and start, you know, easing up a little bit. So I, I think that's natural. Do you want me All to right. change my score? Do you want no. to put it in the 40s? No. it's it's fine it's also funny like to go back to something that john mentioned at the very top of the podcast the difference between college and nfl like a nine and a half point spread i don't think people realize how lopsided that is in nfl terms like you don't pick teams to be favored by nine and a half in the nfl and so that's a that's a pretty generous line just to just to throw it out there this isn't this isn't college football where alabama is favored by 20 in the first you know three weeks of the season over whatever team this is this is an nfl game against a team that you know yeah lost their superstar starting quarterback but still has a decent defense and they still are underdogs by you know a, 10 points basically yeah well that'll be fun and we'll reconnect next week i mean it, I can't help. I can't help but feel like a bit of the uh, allure of this game. Oh, that was going to be so good. The Jets, even in general, were going to be so fun to watch, and 
Now it's the MILF hunter, Zach Wilson. So, what, are we going to have to edit that out? We know we know his past. Um, those stories are true. Zach Wilson, the new quarterback of the Jets, and the team the team is all bought in. So this will this will be good. Garrett Wilson, though, by the way, how about that catch where he redirected a bad Zach Wilson throw and said, "Okay, if you're not going to throw it, you're supposed to throw it. I'll backhand it myself with my with one hand over to where the throw is supposed to be." And then somehow catch it with the same hand that I backhanded it with. That was yeah, there's got to be a part of him when he see when he finds out that Rogers is done for the season that he's thinking like, well, I could have had 20, 25 touchdowns this year, and now I might have five or six. But here we go. I know. Dude, think I about really how like think about how Lazard and Cobb and Dalvin Cook feel when like that's literally the only reason you signed in New York was to play with that guy, and he lasted four snaps. Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett, yeah. One day you're coaching Aaron Rodgers, the next day you're the guy that has to remake Zach Wilson into something decent. Baddest things went in Denver. Mm. I think Nathaniel should just be happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe the Jets are still getting like, paid. That's the guy. Yeah, you know? I mean, mm. yeah, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm, I'll sit the rest of that one out. <laughs> bold predictions on who's who's going to get signed by the Jets, so I think they do sign a quarterback. I'll say Colt McCoy. That would be your Vegas odds favorite right there, Colt McCoy. Uh, a lot of Nick Foles being bantied about. Um, you'll even hear Colin Kaepernick be brought up in discussion. Chase Daniel? Good Lord. Chase Daniel. You've got Tom Brady who was photoshopped on the Manning cast last night. I'm going to say... Rivers. Yeah, that's you know, what I was going to say. He needs more... He, and once he figures out that he needs more money for all those children. Um, I'm going to say Philip Rivers is, but also Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan could be if you're if you're like legitimately looking at someone. I, I think Matt Ryan is a possibility too. The Colin Kaepernick thing is just I saw that floated around by like a couple of people, and it's like, look, I, I'm I'm firmly in the camp that the way that the NFL blackballed him post 2016 was was wrong and not you know in terms of even signing for a backup, but. Let's be clear, the last time he was on an NFL roster, let alone took a snap in the NFL, was under the Obama administration. There are there are good yeah. re- there are good there are good football <laughs> reasons not to sign Colin Kaepernick at this point if you're trying yeah, to win. That, so that sounds so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But I'm gonna go with Jameis Winston. <laughs> what about Fitzpatrick? Go make a move. Go 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 make a move. Go get famous Jameis. That's interesting. I think he would give. I think he would give them a higher ceiling than where they have right now. I mean, he'll turn the ball over, but again, if I'm Garrett Wilson, I wouldn't mind having Jameis Winston. I could also see a world of like, you know, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick coming out of retirement. All these guys, yeah. just that also have Jets connections. You know, sure. I mean, Flacco's still, you know, kicking around. I just think about stuff like that. that Dude, that he was bad, though. Sense. Like, I mean, Flacco was, was so bad. bad. So bad. But these are uh, the types of things. Former that... Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's be clear. Put some respect on his name. <laughs> I, I do always find it, like, you know, once you, once you have some of those labels, you always have them. And, like, it's fine. I get it. But it's always funny. Like, you know, like Jason Peters just got signed and, 
and it's like perennial pro bowler Jason Peters. Like, I get it. I understand where you're coming from when you say that, but like, you know, it's like if Joe Montana signed with the team right now, are you going to label that as four time Super Bowl champion Joe Montana? Like, to yes. hype up the signing? Yes. Like, <laughs> I would. Like, yeah, that's, that's a bad, why. That's a bad example, though. No, but I'm just saying, like, anybody, like, you know, um, whatever you want to call it those labels don't stick around forever like i don't know it's just i just think that's a bad example because that's a goat player whereas like the jason peters i totally get with that one and there's several others that as they were in later in their career but so for some of the goat people like to take montana out of this like if (laughs) if barry sanders was a comeback right now and he's clearly not in shape to play football i think that you have to mention all of his accolades just because he's one of the goats you know yeah, but like if you're signing like Sidney Rice, do you mention former All Pro? No, but that's like the now that pro. one is yeah. No, those fit in there, yeah, for sure. But any of the All Pro receiver Sidney Rice signing with Rice, whatever wow. team needs a receiver. Yeah, just ridiculous. Well, team, we'll see you uh, uh, next week, and we'll uh, recap it, and then we'll have a big Cardinals game to get ready for because that's the world we live in. Man, that's um, exciting. It is very exciting. What an exciting time. Um, for our producer, Kent Garrison, for Saad Yusuf, for Father John Shoda, I'm Kevin Turner. We'll see you next week on the next edition of About Them Cowboys.